And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. There are certain words and phrases that become synonymous with an event. Whenever you hear them, you know what time it is or what's about to happen. For your average Canadian, play just a couple bars of the Hockey Night in Canada theme and instantly a connection is made by them. Or the moment that one thinks about a wedding, what comes to mind? Dearly beloved, we have gathered here today. Well, for many people, Christmas just isn't Christmas until they hear these words, these words of the angel, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Christmas just isn't Christmas without that. These words of Luke's gospel, they are synonymous with Christmas Eve. Even For non-Christian people in the West, these words can bring Christmas to mind. Growing up, my most common exposure to these words were actually not through the church. My family was nominally Christian at best, and we didn't attend even Christmas services for at least 10 years when I was a child. And so to me... I knew these words well, but I knew them as the words of Linus from the Christmas classic, Charlie Brown Christmas. Many of you know the scene, I can tell, right? Charlie Brown yelling, as he so often did, yelling this time that someone would explain to him what the true meaning of Christmas is. And then out walks Linus to do that, and he does it simply by reading this passage. Linus understands what Christmas is all about. It was the, the same thing that was, it was all about in that, that first Christmas. It's the same thing it's all about even today, and it is simply Jesus. Linus, of course, is famous for going everywhere with that blue security blanket of his, right? You never saw him without it. In fact, I can only think of one time that we actually do see him without it, and it's this scene. Right as he says the words, fear not, for behold, he lets go of his blanket. You see, Linus knows that Jesus has come, and so the blanket isn't needed anymore. This quiet, 
level-headed character comes to life as he begins to recite this passage. His, his hands are clasped together. He has a huge smile on his face as he simply recites the truth that Jesus has come. There's no fear at all, no security blanket needed because Jesus has come. Charles Schultz, the creator of Peanuts, knew what he was doing. He was communicating the gospel that that since Jesus has come, there is safety and security and joy for all mankind. But why would Schultz, through this character Linus, why would he proclaim this truth? What is it about Jesus that causes this joy and this peace? Well, we too can actually find the answer to that through the proclamation of the angel. Because it is through the angel's words that we learn that this little baby of Christmas Day is nothing less than our Savior, our Lord, and our friend. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. From the very beginning, Jesus was proclaimed the Savior of the world. If you want to understand Jesus at all, you have to understand that he came as the Savior. He did not come to be a great leader or a great moral example. He came to save. It was true in the angel's pronouncement on that first Christmas, just as it was true roughly 33 years later when Peter would boldly proclaim for all to hear that there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus came to save and salvation is found in him and in him alone. In fact, the angels tell us this twice. By announcing his role as savior and by announcing his title, Christ. He is the Christ. In our time, we, we've gotten so used to hearing Jesus Christ that we've basically started treating it like it's his last name. But it is, in fact, a title. Christ means anointed one. It means Messiah. The Messiah was the one the people had been waiting for. The one who would be chosen by God to rescue them. The one who would come to usher in the kingdom of God by delivering them from all their enemies and bringing peace and life with him. And so that is who the angels announce. That is who has come. He is the Christ, the chosen one of God. Now what the shepherds could never have known is is how that would happen. How would this baby save them? All the shepherds are told is that they will find their savior. Right? The angel says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. I think if we're honest, that doesn't sound like much of a sign. 
Swaddling was a very common practice in that time, just as it is in ours. In fact, at that time, if someone found a child who was under the age of one who was not swaddled, the assumption was the baby had been abandoned. Swaddling is what a good parent did for their child, and Mary and Joseph were certainly good parents. They swaddled Jesus to keep him safe and warm, and they they placed him in the softest, most bed-like place that they had available to them. And so this sign is seemingly nothing remarkable at all. Simply a swaddled infant like any other. But the shepherds go and they find things exactly as the angel said they would. A simple family doing what families do. Caring for one another. And so they find a small boy. Seemingly no different than any other. And yet, their savior. What they could not have known was that this simple scene would actually actually prefigure how this baby would save them. Because years later, he again would be wrapped in claws by those who loved him. Only this time, he was not laid in a manger, but in a tomb. It is in his death and his rising again that the Savior, the Christ, Jesus, would save his people from their ultimate enemy, from sin and the death that it brings In this first Christmas, this first encounter with the Christ, the signs are there to see. The boy would save them by dying for them, paying the price for their sins and the sins of the world. Jesus, the Christ, is our Savior. And so like Linus... All who have come to faith in Christ can now let go of the security blanket that we have. For on this night, we celebrate the coming of our Savior. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. When Jesus came, he came as the Savior and as the Christ, and he also came as Lord. He came as the one who would rule over all things, who would bring the kingdom of God among us. Think about how the account started that we read this evening. Who was the most powerful person in the world at this time? Caesar, right? Rome was everywhere. It conquered everything. Caesar was the most powerful man in the world. And so here is Caesar decreeing that there is to be a census. He wants his people to go and be counted, to be registered, so that he could do what emperors did. He could tax them. It's got to be kind of nice to be that powerful, you think, huh? Most powerful man in the world. That sounds like a pretty good gig if you can get it. And in response to this powerful emperor of the known world, off go a man and his fiancée, living in an overlooked, seemingly unimportant part 
of the empire. They, they go off to make their way to a overlooked, seemingly unimportant town, even to those who lived in the area. The funny thing about it, though, is that while Caesar appears to have all of the power, what he doesn't know is that it's actually God who has been at work here. It is God who is moving the pieces around the board so that his desired will and his desired outcome could be fulfilled. Caesar thinks he's the master player, but he's actually just another pawn. I love how one commentator puts it. This one little family, seemingly swept up in the tide of earthly power, give birth to a son who would rule the world. Now that sounds amazing, right? We all want a ruler to come like Jesus. But how do we know it's actually God who's doing all this? How do we know he's the one who's moving the pieces around the board? Well, because when Caesar makes this decree... It meant that the Christ would come as he was prophesied to come. After all, to be registered in the census, the people had to go off to their ancestral home. For Joseph and for Mary, that meant going to Bethlehem because they were descendants of King David. And it just so happens that the prophet Micah would write this. Years before these events, he said, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little among, to be among the clan, clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. The long-sought, longed-for Messiah was to be born in some backwater podunk town that most people didn't even know existed. And his parents weren't even there until Caesar said, off you go. It just so happened that everything worked as God said it would. The Messiah had to be of the line of David. He had to be born in the city of David in Bethlehem. It just so happened to work out that way. It's funny how things just so happen when God is involved. Jesus came as Lord of all, and that truth that he is the Christ and the Lord, it is a gift to us. It is a gift to those who believe in him because it it tells us that there is someone who has come who is more powerful than even the most powerful rulers in this world. Not even Caesar could disrupt the plans of God. In fact, God just used him as he needed to. All throughout history, God has been at work, and yet we choose not to believe that because we don't think we can see it. Well, I can tell you that Jesus' birth was not announced in Rome. When Jesus was born, it was not made known to the entire empire. Letters were not published. Announcements were not made. Bells did not start ringing as they so often do when there is a royal birth. And yet, in relative obscurity, God was at work for those with eyes to see it. The same is true today, friends. 
The same principle applies. God is at work whether we choose to believe it or not. The God that we worship is more powerful than any enemies we could possibly fear. The God we worship is more powerful than those who rule over this or any land. The God we worship is the one who is actually in charge and so his people should never fear. And it is that God who is at work to make sure that everything happened the way that it needed to. It is that God who is still at work in our time. No one knew that the census that was decreed by Caesar would be used by God to fix things in his right and proper order. No one knew outside of Mary, Joseph, and now some shepherds That this boy, born in Bethlehem, wrapped in these claws, was more powerful than the emperor himself and would act in history to bring down the forces of evil. No one knew that. And yet God was at work. Because he is in charge. Jesus is Lord. And so like Linus, we can let go of whatever we cling to. Because Jesus has come to rule over all things. Our Savior has come. The Christ has come. The Lord has come. And finally, our friend has come. What do I mean by that? Well, look again to the angel's pronouncement. What does he... What does he say? He says, for unto you, he tells the shepherds, unto you. This is not your typical birth announcement, right? This isn't the cute little card you get that says a baby's been born to to Mary and Joseph. No. The angel announces that this boy, Jesus, he was born to you, the shepherds. Meaning he has come for you. It seems like an odd thing to say, this child being born for a bunch of strangers who've never even met the parents. They have no connection to him whatsoever. And it's not even just a group of strangers. It's a group of shepherds. And while that doesn't mean that much to us, in that time and place, this was the last group that you would expect God to reveal anything to. They were outcasts. They were looked down upon. They, according to religious Jewish tradition, would have been ritually unclean, meaning they wouldn't even be allowed to go into the temple to worship God. And yet the Savior, the Lord of all, has come for them, even the shepherds, the, even the unclean. The point is, friends, that Jesus came as the friend of the outcast. Jesus came as the friend to the sinner. Those deemed less than others, those seen as unworthy, Jesus came for them. And the wonderful thing about that is that, no, I don't know, maybe you won't think this is wonderful, but I got to tell you, every one of us is in that camp. Every one of us is a sinner that Christ came for. An outcast from God. No one of their own power and ability is worthy of Jesus. 
Not even those who are born into the right families or or those who think that they have a spotless record. Jesus came for all of us. That's what a friend does. And years later, he would show what a friend he is when in John's gospel on the night that he was betrayed, he would turn to his disciples and say, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus shows that he is the friend of sinners by laying down his life for us sinners. The angel said to the shepherds, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now we tend to read that as good news of great joy for all people, right? We just sort of mentally have memorized it that way, except that skips a really important word. This might be the most important the in all of history here. The good news of great joy is for all the people, meaning all of the people of God, all those who have come by faith to Jesus, because in coming to him by faith, we receive a Savior who paid for our sins, a Lord to rule over all things on our behalf for the good of his people, and we receive a friend who cared enough for us sinners to lay down his life for us. That is who we celebrate this Christmas. And so like our friend Linus, we can let go of what we cling to because we have a friend in Jesus. Dear friends, know this evening that Jesus came for you. This child whose birth that we celebrate, he came for you to lay down his life for you. He is the savior that you need. He is the Lord who is here to guide you. And so this Christmas, what is it that you're clinging to? What's the security blanket that you won't let go of? I can tell you whatever it is, if it isn't Jesus, it's not as good as him. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. There's nothing else that could do that. There's no one and nothing else that could carry the burden of our sins and our griefs. Everything else would collapse, but Jesus will never fail. He will never collapse. Are the troubles of this world weighing upon you this Christmas? I know they are on many of us. Do you look out at the world and do you fear, feel fearful about where things are going? I know many of us do. Friends, Jesus is Lord of all. His will shall be done and his will is perfect. Do your sins keep you from him? Do they make you believe that you're unworthy to receive him? That you're too much of an outcast? You're like the shepherds? Well, he came as the savior for you. Just as he first came for those outcasts that night, he came for you. And so this Christmas and all our days and all our Christmases, cling to him. 
Flee to him in your heart by faith. Go back to that city of Bethlehem and see your Savior lying in the manger. See the baby who came for you as your Savior, your Lord, and your friend. For in finding him, you will find your life and your salvation and the greatest friend you could ever have. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.